I think that bidding is definitely future. And uh, I would say that highly likely it will fully replace the waterfall model. However, our marketers and exchange algorithms across the whole attack industry are still not ready for this quick change and transition. Welcome to Aptica Talks podcast. In each episode, we discuss hot topics of mobile app market with renowned experts. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Aptica Talks. And we're delighted to have Stefania Radivonik and Ahmed Chakrun with us uh, from Smato. Thank you guys for finding some time and just to talk and share your insights. And in this episode, Aptica talks about app monetization trends. So welcome guys, how are you today? Thank you, doing fine. Thank you, all good. Okay, uh, let's, uh, before we start um, with our primary uh, subject of today's episode, just tell a bit about uh, you, your career, uh, your role in Smato, maybe some interesting projects you're working on currently. Yeah, I can start. So, hello everyone. My name is Ahmed Chakhoun. I'm Senior Mobile Product Manager here at Smato. And I'm taking care of the monetization product of our direct app publishers. I have been in the mobile ad tech business for over 11 years now. Before, I worked for Smart Ad Server and Criteo, where I also held the position of mobile product manager. I'm currently focusing on creating the best-in-class SDK that not only perform in banner format, but also on video and full-screen format in general. So the mobile ad tech ecosystem is actively innovating in this field by creating and testing different user experiences and workflow. Uh, yeah. So Apple and Android platforms are also active contributors to this innovation ambition. So I really love being part of this exciting journey. Hi, everyone. Yeah, let me also quickly introduce myself. My name is Steph, and uh, I'm a business development team lead at Smato mainly focused on the supply side and responsible for publisher partnerships. I've been in the ad tech industry for the last seven years of my life, and uh, I'm really delighted to be a speaker of, at our talks today. As you may be aware, Smato is a part of Verve Group. The Verve Group is an ecosystem of supply and demand side technologies, fusing data, media, and technology together to serve advertisers and publishers, no matter who, what, or where a customer is. Smato itself is an independent business asset of the Verve Group and an omni-channel format agnostic, self-serve digital attack platform. So from the technological standpoint of view, we are an SSP plus exchange with global footprints and inbuilt mixed demand across all peers. Brands, performance, user acquisition, retargeting, location, data. As an in-app channel is one of our growth drivers for 2023, uh, I've been actively engaged in bringing more SDK integrations, boosting our video supply, and combining our existing hybrid buying model meaning curated prepackaged deals inside the open marketplace with private marketplaces. So great. Um, I would like to start our conversation with the creative part because like in Aptica, we put main focus on ad intelligence. That's why we are particularly interested 
in uh, creatives field, so what's going on in the market from monetization point of view, because we are mainly working from a uh, user acquisition point. So we're following all the trends, all the mechanics that's going on in the market and out there. So uh, that's why my first question will be as follows. What are the best performing ad creatives format for now, based on your expertise and experience? Yeah, probably I'll start. Uh, the best performing ad format is surely defined by the channel, right? So different audiences and experiences, customers are looking to get while using this or that channel and this or that application inventory type. If we focus on the in-app channel, first we should separate it by non-gaming and gaming apps. Of course, in case of gaming apps, uh, we are seeing the highest ECPMs and fill rates for interstitial and rewarded formats, as they are more user-engaging, right? Interstitial ads are displayed in a top location and take up the entire screen. They are extremely effective when you need to drive clicks and conversions. Rewarded ads have the highest engagement level, and they offer some benefits to users. However, these types of formats can be considered by some users as intrusive ones. So frequency capping is a key parameter here to pay attention to. Secondly, let's take into account the type of games. Casual, hyper-casual, hardcore, mid-core. Display ads are still keeping their positions in casual and hyper-casual games such as sidebar banners or bottom sticky banners, which can't harm user experience in any way, as well as frequency capping is not a pain here. It's interesting, but even hardcore and mid-core gaming publishers, which traditionally worked only with performance-based ad networks, started adding branded ad networks to their waterfalls, as well as display ads, but mainly in form of either static or dynamic in-game ads. So it's in-game or gameplay, but still it's display. So definitely we are seeing a tendency across publishers to reconsider display ads and add more display ad placements to increase their overall ad revenue. If we look into analytics for non-gaming apps, native ad format is dominant here, as it's less disruptive, but still user-engaging. It could be used and converted in different ad formats, native to display and display to native, depending on the highest bid received during the auction. So this interplay, I would say, between display and native brings the highest ECPMs as well as the best fill rates. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned the rewarded uh, format, uh, but I've uh, recently read that once there's a decrease of uh, ECPM, if we're talking about rewarded uh, format, so is there a reason behind that? So because for me, rewarded, it's really engaging. So you you will receive something in exchange of uh, this ad. So if you see this ad, but why there is this decrease? Yeah, so we are also observing a tendency of ECPM decrease for rewarded video. However, that's not connected with the demand itself, but with the shift of inventory at placements on the publisher side. So we are recently observing that publishers started to prioritize interstitials over rewarded video, mainly because interstitials can also be unskippable, 
They require no rewards and they have better frequency capping in comparison to rewarded video. Thus, publishers can generate more money at lower costs. Also, probably we need to specify playable ads. And I know that Ahmed is very knowledgeable in this topic because they are also gaining their position on the market. Yeah, playable ads is something I would like to expand on as well. Uh, because based on our recent report, we saw that it takes, among all the creatives that we got, it takes um, so quite... Uh, a small share, it's around 2.5% of all the creatives that we have, but uh, from our uh, perspective and based on our predictions, uh, we believe that this ad format will rise. So that's why I would like to hear some opinion on playable ads, so what to expect from this ad format. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So playable ads are definitely the best performing ad format, but mainly for user acquisition campaigns. Since playable ads appear in instantial ads, as you said, they are quick to grab attention and lead to high visibility, thus maximizing user engagement with the promoted app. This format meets all the performance criteria for both publisher and advertisers. That's why both like them. Indeed, it offers a positive and engaging user experience for both parties. So publisher will increase revenue while keeping a very good user attention. And for the advertiser, it will they will be able to measure an excellent average per user. But maybe I can add that um, the playable ads is more cost. There is more cost behind it. And so not all the DSPs can, uh, can offer it. And so uh, it depends. It depends here if it's something that uh, they can uh, provide for their campaign or not. Yeah, it's quite costly and it's quite heavy. I've heard that there were a lot of cases, technical issues, I mean, while uh, producing and just playing the playable ads. Yes, it's quite a tricky one, but still good in performance. Uh, okay, so we have, and I guess maybe work uh, as well in, uh, in such a way. In Optica, we divide two platforms, iOS and Android. Uh, so because we see the difference, there are different strategies, there are different figures and metrics for that. Do you see this difference? Maybe there are some drastic changes, drastic uh, differences between two platforms. Yeah, I can take this one. So this is a tricky question because um, there is a structural difference between iOS and Android. So in terms of geography coverage, smartphone prices, the OS ecosystem itself, they are completely different. So this leads us to have low iOS traffic and high, so higher ECPM because of the competition is tough. We have also seen that the SK overlay feature released by, by Apple in 2020 is now actively adopted by the SSPs and the advertisers because it's really boosted the app install conversions. But for Android, the volume is very high. So the CPM are lower than the iOS because of yeah, less competition for sure. Uh, and but the, thing, the other thing is that for Android, yeah, Android ID is still there. So the advertisers and MMPs can have better capability to track the user. And so conversion attribution is easier and more accurate. So that's, yeah, that's how I see the difference between both. Maybe it will change with all these privacy issues in the future, we will see, but it's another topic to discuss, I guess. Uh, yeah, I completely agree on that. Um, and uh, within this uh, topic, uh, I have one more question. 
uh, left, uh, I also uh, heard uh, some uh, talks about new uh, format, uh, new ad unit uh, used by publishers. So just correct me if I'm a mistake, but it's called something like native in-app ad, where you have the creative or some banners or whatever uh, just integrated within the gameplay uh, just to reach this native um, um, native metric, I, I don't know, just to smoothly, just to reach this smooth uh, integration, I would say. Uh, and I know that some services and some partners, they provide already this service. So uh, have you ever worked with that uh, new trend on the rise? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say that there is a different naming for this kind of ad. So it's called either gameplay or uh, in-game native ads or just static dynamic in-game ads. And uh, they have been definitely having a wider scope recently. However, uh, the non-clickability of these types of ads is pretty challenging, I would say. Uh, Well-known brands, of course, are ready to pay higher ECPMs to improve their brand awareness by means of in-game ads. However, other buyers, especially in user acquisition, performance, retargeting, data location peers, are hesitant to try them. So that leads, unfortunately, to low fill rates. At the same time, such types of ads are not appropriate for all types of games. And we should remember about this. It will be definitely impossible to implement them, let's say, in medieval strategy or role-playing games without harming yeah, an overall game plot, right? And lastly, uh, it costs money for publishers to create just such placements in-house. So to be honest, the future of in-game ads is pretty uncertain to me. Mm -hmm. But do you have a lot of clients, maybe your or projects who, who already or that have already tried that? So, Of course, yeah. uh, at Smarto, we do support both static and mm -hmm. dynamic in-game ads. And uh, we see that specifically a lot of big, you know, top players, in-app players uh, in gaming vertical are adding this ad format to their games. But still, I would say the overall percentage for now of adoption of these type of ads is pretty low. So it's pretty clear with the ad formats for now. Uh, but what about bidding? So I guess it's another stage and another direction of monetization. And here also there are a lot of uh, talks and discussions what to choose, what bidding to choose. and. Uh, uh, while preparing for this interview, I read also a lot of material and information on that in reports. And I found some paradox because, okay, again, maybe I'm again a mistake, but from my point of view, okay, there is like uh, header bidding and uh, waterfall bidding. And header bidding uh, can give you more money. So, because it uh, prioritizes the uh, so the platform, the user that can give a higher amount of like a high bidder, right? Uh, whereas waterfall prioritizes number one. So in uh, this top position. So, but why? So again, some publishers, they stick to the uh, good old waterfall instead of header bidding. However, the header bidding can give you more profit. So it's quite curious. And maybe you can share the light on that. What's going on? 
sure, I would love to share our insights and maybe give some explanations here, right? So waterfall is definitely a matter of prioritization for publishers as they, as they must place from top to bottom at networks exchanges based on their past record, right? At the same time, it's subject to limitation for advertisers who can't tap into the best inventory to bid on. However, as you mentioned, this monetization technique is still predominant for in-app publisher though, as many in-app ad networks are still setting zero in the bid request as a floor price. If dynamic floor pricing, let's say in this case, based on IE algorithms is not available, demand partners actually unable to bid on the inventory with the relevant price, so which decreases the chances to win in the downstream auction. In-app bidding is, on the contrary, a matter of control for publishers, who can set floor prices or block specific creatives, domains, categories, and a subject with no constraints for advertisers, who can bid in a fair competition on every single impression. So it's a real-time process, as you said also, of selling the inventory, mainly happening within 200-400 milliseconds, which gives publishers the chance to maximize the revenue generated from, from their impressions, considering that all bidders simultaneously compete for the inventory based on the first price auction model. To sum up, I think that bidding is definitely future, and uh, I would say that highly likely it will fully replace the waterfall model. However, how are marketers and exchange algorithms across the whole ad tech industry are still not ready for this quick change and transition, right? So if there is a way to run a hybrid model that can be, that can be for sure a yardstick for publisher revenue streaming, within a transparent and fair real-time auction between marketers and advertisers. So yeah, if uh, some publishers are hesitant to try header bidding, in-app bidding, so they can go for hybrid uh, mode. So do you have maybe any solutions uh, to run efficiently these two uh, bidding at the same time? Can they go hand in hand? Yes, they can run hand in hand. It's more complicated because they have to manage both system, like, um, but they can still do um, start with waterfall or call, call, call both at the same time. Means that they can call waterfall the highest price, they can call uh, header bidding, and then they can compare. If there is no bid from this one and there is still less bid from the header bidding, then they can, uh, they can move to the next uh, iteration. For example, they can also try header bidding, get the maximum price, and then go from the waterfall and compare both prices, and then give the opportunity to the to the best uh, auction. But the challenge here is the time they have to run all of these mechanics, because when they have when uh, when you have an opportunity, you need to be like we have only few few seconds, let's say on in app, which is always very good compared to web. <laughs> we have many seconds there on web. You can you can also, for example. An interstitial, you can pre-call, you can pre-call uh, the, the, the demand part to get the opportunity. And then when something is ready, you can display it when it's the good opportunity to display it. For example, for reward, you can prepare your rewarded ad 
before the user click, I want this reward. So there is mechanics to mix both, let's say, but these require uh, some technical skills from the, from the publisher that, yeah, it's not uh, always there uh, from what we see. Yeah, mainly publishers are focusing on creating the content itself and monetization is something generally gives to a partner or to an exchange to, to deal with. So it depends. With some other big partners, they are really taking end-to-end -end monetization and they are investing in doing such, um, such effort. You would suggest to go with their head of bidding, right? Just uh, try to use this new model rather than waterfall, or it depends on the case. I think we are agnostic. Uh, it means that we let the publisher test both. We support both and advise the publisher to test each, uh, each techniques. Uh, what we really see is that the, the hybrid model is, is working because uh, for some demand partners, we are seeing that they are ready, as Stefania said, and they are ready to have this machine learning algorithm to bid wisely. Okay, because uh, and this is the challenge with the uh, header bidding, uh, bidding have currently, which is usually there is no floor in the, in the bid request. So, but also, I guess Steph uh, has brought it up already, the privacy stuff. So it's constantly changing. Uh, and it's another challenge, uh, apart from the bidding, what to choose and how to bid uh, in a more uh, efficient way. Uh, but does privacy uh, affect somehow the monetization strategy? By privacy, I mean all changes that we see with the general data protection regulation, with TSP version 2. So do you see any movements here? So how to adjust uh, to new regulations without losing or without or saving target, saving your results? So any ideas on that? So I would say that that, that, that is definitely a very hot topic now. So IB Europe in partnership with IB Tech Lab announced uh, on the 21st August 2019, the launch of the second iteration of Transparency and Content Framework version 2, or TCFV2, right? And that was still questioned by the Belgium Legal Authority in 2021, right? So SMATO, of course, adheres to GDPR regulations and uh, requires publishers to be TCFV2 compliant if they would like to monetize the EEA region and Switzerland. However, to be honest, I don't think that this framework has been adopted across many publishers until now. The thing is that they either focus more on the US, right? And for now, only CCPA applies there, specifically in California, or they have too small of a user base in Europe and uh, it isn't worth their efforts to monetize it. TCFV2 itself requires using content management platform solutions listed and certified by IAB. So, of course, it costs money. And in this case, a privacy stream must include a list of specific features, mandatory legal texts, and ad vendors, making it possible for users to grant or withhold consent and also exercise the right to object to data being processed. Those publishers who managed to implement it across their apps, 
I would say definitely enjoy high ECPMs and better fuel rate, as the demand partners also strictly adhere to GDPR and require us to pass IB-compliant consent. So overall, more and more restrictions in regards to data privacy are coming. So let's say we already have TCFV2 for Europe. We have LGPD for Brazil, CCPA for California. That's being said, data restrictions are going to apply across all U.S. states in the future. And this is where actually the adoption of GPP is essential. But how to target the audience if you have so many restrictions? How to find your audience and just show right at? It's crazy. It's hard. And another challenge, I guess, for publishers and advertisers at the same time. Yeah. So, um, Beth, you have anything to add? Yes, I was to explain as well what is GPP, uh, because this is really the future on the, on the, from the technical perspective, let's say. And so just want to give a few um, heads up on what is GPP, which is um, GPP stands for a Global Privacy Platform, and it intends to address different differing privacy regulation worldwide, including including current support of US privacy and EAB Europe TCF2 consent stream. So GPP is not a new privacy regulation, but it's a new standardized method to communicate privacy signal through the digital ad supply chain. So GPP is here to solve the problem we've seen in the previous years when a new regulation is released. Its adoption was painful and required a lot of effort and time from all the ad tech contributors. So for example, in the US, many state specific privacy regulation will come into effect this year that are only addressed by the GPP. So it's very important that all the, all the ad tech ecosystem look to the GPP the standard and start adopting it. So by the way, GPP support is now live on Smato and the markets had till July this year to, com to be compliant. So yeah, this is important to, to, to mention here as well. Uh, apart from the privacy issue, so what are other trends you see now uh, in the market? What to expect from this year, from the upcoming year, uh, just in regards to uh, app monetization? Yeah, so I'm seeing the market and specifically, let us let me focus on the SSP, moving toward providing maximum flexibility to the, to the DSPs. So the DSPs will be able to more control the operation of the exchange's SDK, while providing publishers guarantee and control to protect the user experience, the ad quality, and of course, more revenue. Okay, so it's trend number two. So, Steph? Uh, I'm clearly seeing, like from my side, from the publisher side, that they would love to get more controls over their inventory, audiences, and revenues. So specifically, big in-app players tend to use proprietary ad servers and build their own in-house mediations. So it definitely requires, of course, high engineering and operational costs but at the same time, it brings them more transparency and give them better room for optimization and revenue increase. So we have privacy, so we have in-house mediation, herd bidding on the rise, some new uh, ad formats like in-app native uh, creatives format. So anything else? 
I believe that's pretty much it. We discussed uh, all the possible topics uh, in terms of in-app monetization. Okay. So, and just one question from my side. Uh, could you please share some maybe uh, resources where you grasp inspiration, some data, uh, just to follow the market? Because everything is evolving, is, change, is changing constantly, and you need to follow all the changes to be ahead of the competitors or just to get better results. So, where do you get this information? It's hectic. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely hectic. So probably I can share from from my side what kind of resources I'm using. Uh, we do have internal analytical system where we gather some information in regards to you know ECPMs, fill rates, top regions, spend, like everything. And this is where we gather a lot of analytical information for us, also to see what kind of trends are going on, you know, and uh, what kind of ads performing better across which regions, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, at the same time, uh, we try to look into external sources, let's say a marketer. Pretty often we are looking into analytics that's pretty trustworthy resource, uh, resource, I would say. As well, we are reading, you know, just articles uh, on Adweek. Uh, we are looking through, you know, posts uh, from... Uh, people and um, professionals, experts in ad tech industry, on social networks, on LinkedIn, for example. At the same time, we are a part of uh, communities on Reddit. And this is where we're also getting a lot of insights uh, uh, from ad tech communities, what's going on, what other issues, pains, you know, concerns. Uh, from the product perspective, maybe Ahmed can give some more insight, but that's from the business perspective. As a product manager, best insight, as, as Stefania said, are the data first, and then talking to clients. Like talking to publishers, to demand partners is really, really key to get, uh, to collect data, to collect information, to collect concerns from, from our clients, and then to get an opinion ourselves or what is really common, common pain, everyone, uh, and to compare ourselves at the end as, a, as an exchange, as an SSP, uh, toward others and uh, to help solving problems on both sides, supply and demand. So really, really be close to the clients, listen, uh, try to challenge them as well uh, to see if this is problem is really key to solve for now. Uh, is really like a best practice anyway for, for anyone in this, uh, in this ecosystem. Yeah, great. I've learned a lot. I've not been an expert, but still just step by step, maybe I'm a future monetization expert, who knows? So just with, with help of Smato, I will join the team. Okay, it's really inspiring and uh, insightful what we've discussed. Thank you very much for the information and uh, for your expertise and for finding the time to share uh, during our podcast. Uh, please follow Aptika and Smato for new news in blog sections for new insights. I guess you have some public reports and uh, materials uh, to read in the blog section, so it's great. Uh, and please follow us on social uh, media, on LinkedIn and on, on all major platforms, as Spotify, Apple Podcast, not to miss future episodes. So thank you guys one more time for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Uh, we really enjoyed these talks and uh, 
Uh, thank you for all the listeners. Uh, we, th- we, we hope that this podcast was useful for you. Thank you. To find out more about Aptica and its products, please follow the website aptica.com. Do not miss the next episodes by following us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major platforms. Thank you for listening.